one last little piece of, I guess, advice, if you want to call it that. Each one of us may have, like, a definition of what a super monster is. I think for me, a super monster is very much someone who has personally witnessed uh, kind of the nasty of the world and the evils of the world. It's, it's the bullied kids. It's, you know, yeah. the kids who are left out. And I think that's why gay people or queer people as a community tend to have such a connection to horror films or to the villains because the villains in the horror characters were the ostracized, the weird, the ones who weren't understood, but they took all the things that made them different and turned them into their power. And I think that's where all of this comes from. And that's why so many people who haven't experienced that don't get it. They don't get why we love this darkness. And I think that's just where it comes from. And I guess I just wanted to share that. And I can't wait to see what you ladies do on stage tonight. Yes, oh my God. So I think that's like a really interesting assessment of like the relationship of like queer kids and horror movies. And it's something that we've talked about before of like, oh, the the villain. We've even talked about that with like Disney villains being the queer. Yeah. Do you, I mean, are you? Do you feel that way that like when you I don't know how much you like horror movies or have watched them in the past, but that the villain resonated with you? Oh, I mean, there's absolutely no question. I mean, I used to love horror movies growing up. I watched them all the time, would go out and see them. Uh, And even like the villains, uh, especially in like comic books or cartoons, were always my favorite. And then I saw that movie, um, The Celluloid Closet. That Mm -hmm. basically like illuminated everything for me and just connected all of the dots in the sense that like, yeah, Hollywood had this thing of always making this gay person or this transgender person the villain and vilifying it in terms of like the hunky dory storyline of boy meets girl. Uh, And and that's just always what it was. And it made so much sense to me of like, I mean, everybody loved Ursula. Most people love Ursula. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Except for my niece, apparently. Um, Well, (laughs) uh, can't get everybody. Right, right. But even Jafar, um, Scar from The Lion King, if we're just going to go to cartoons. um, And then, you know, we've been watching some spooky movies on the Patreon. um, But, you know, when, when Nancy says, we are the weirdos, mister, I mean, we are all these witches and weirdos. We are the outcasts. It kind of just puts everything into perspective of like, Oh, right. That's why I kind of root for the witches in the witches. Yeah. What's interesting, because I like I've I've heard and I've seen examples of that in the past and and certainly celluloid closet, like this idea that the 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 villain is this, you know, misunderstood or this mysterious other, you know, on the fringes that since we don't understand it, we're threatened by it. And so many slasher movies, you know, Jason Voorhees is is the unknown is the unknown in the woods and it's the unknown in these slasher movies that I think is what scares the, the, our main, you know, heteronormative, right. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and protagonist is like, we don't know what, we don't know what he is or what he's capable of or what his intentions are. Right. Uh, and so I, I see that connection as well. Um, but I, I, I've actually, and cause I grew up watching tons of horror movies. I was obsessed I just talked about this in detail on In the Details, my last episode, and I I always identified with the final girl. I always identified with the 
the one who is, you know, seems very innocent, is very sort of, you know, vulnerable or just not the toughest one of the group or not the most brazen. And she's the one who's like left standing to like figure out how to get out of this mess. And I always, that's the one that I clung on to. And the villain was always the villain. And so it was always surprising to hear this because like, oh, I never had that experience. Oh, I see. I, well, I mean, it doesn't have to necessarily be like, oh, I root for or I identify with a villain. But we know that that um, sentiment is there, that this is the other, that that person isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I think of a perfect example is the Wicked Witch of the West, right? And then uh, Greg, Greg McGuire like, turned it on its head and was like, oh, actually, she was an outcast. She was the nerd. She was the weirdo when he wrote Wicked. Um, and I, so I don't necessarily know if it's like, oh, you're either Dorothy or you're the witch. I mean, you can be both or you can have empathy for the witch. Well, I, yeah, I'm not saying it's one or the other. I think that like, just what dynamics resonated. I think even even something like Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street, I mean, they do have like a sad backstory. I mean, Jason Voorhees, you know, drowned in a lake right. because these counselors weren't paying attention and then his mother tries to get vengeance and then he's got to avenge her death. I mean, that's a sad fucking story. Yeah. And... There, you know, and, you know, Freddy Krueger was, um, well, I think he was like a child predator he that was, they threw yes. in a furnace. So it's a complicated situation, you know. And then there's like the family in Texas Chainsaw Massacre and they're just like, they're they're just these these butchers trying to make a living. They're yeah. just like lower income, middle America, you know, uh, uh Small business, just trying to keep up. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> sure. it's there certainly are those sad human stories underneath. Um, but I guess I, I wonder, to take this back to Dracula and these queens talking about who they identify with, if it's, or who they, who resonates for them more, you know, is if it's about the experiences that you're bringing to watching that movie. You know? oh, yeah, I see what you mean. I mean, what Vander Von Odd said when, when, when she said, you know, it's them turning all of that weirdness into their power. Um, and then, and, and that's, that's what becomes what we see. And so when I think about Dragula and not Drag Race, right, it's, no, I'm actually taking the weirdness, the, the nastiness that I've seen in a more vilified way, rather than just being, you know, the queer or the one who dressed in his mommy's dress in the closet when he was three, it's more like, oh no, this is like, this is the horror that I endured in school and it has manifested into this anger that is now this power. I mean, that's what resonated with me in terms of this like spooky drag was like, right. oh, this makes so much sense that like why, why it needs to be this because this is the extent you need to go to express yourself and to express what you've seen or what you've experienced or what you're feeling um it it like it it's stuck because i think it'd be easy to look at all this and just kind of have that impression of like oh you're just trying to shock people or oh this is just about like how gross can you be but it's like oh this is in some ways, this drag tells us even more about these queens than maybe the drag on Drag Race tells sure. us about those queens. Sure, yeah, often. I mean, it's almost like with the way Dragula queens are expressing themselves that they are actually manifesting 
the nastiness in a more literal way. It's like, I'm going to show you the monster that people said I was in that sense, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. And certainly the monster that people said they were, the monsters they've seen in their life. You know, mm. I think there's got to be something about, you know, embracing and ingesting a sort of monstrous being as a way of like not being afraid of it, you know, as right, a way right. of kind of dispelling it. Yeah. And if drag um, is drag is so punk rock sometimes in the sense that it, you know, exposes gender for the fraud that it is, what's more punk rock is like, yeah, I am a fucking monster and this is how scary I can be. It's it's embracing the queerness within you and running with it and exploiting it. So that, I wonder where and how that dovetails with what Bitch was saying in the car about having a middle finger mindset, you know, of just being like, like she was saying, like all of her drag is just one big fuck you in a yeah. way. And it's just like embodying that energy. And I think like that, that certainly had, there's something kind of empowering about that. And there's something exciting about that. But then I wonder where that goes to the territory of like, are you, are you painting with too broad a brush at that point? You know what I mean? If you say fuck you to everything. I don't know if it's everything. I think it's about how it's channeled. And I think of an artist, right, that's painting a picture and the picture is about rage and anger. It's, it lives in that painting. And so if we're seeing these artists as artists and performance artists on the stage, yeah, it's just going to come out there. And, it's, and you see it in bitches' performances throughout the season where like all of a sudden the lights are on and it's this completely different monster that comes out that is able to just carry her uh, across the stage. She definitely does it in performance, but then she talks about like just being like a drag queen, like having this career, like being in this business is like, you have to carry that same energy into just being a business person, into being a performer, into being someone in this world of like, there has to be an element of fu- of of fuck this culture. And right. I, to me, I read that as just like, don't get too attached to the rejections. Don't get too attached to the acceptance. Like, don't let all of that define who you are, you know? Yeah, yeah, I see that. I mean, uh, we could talk more about that car conversation, but uh, I think James Majesty and I think Abora chimed in, but that idea of like, there's a routine that's been set and doing drag is actually going way off the rails against that and to be successful doing something different than what everybody else has prescribed as successful is 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 amazing it's it's hard it's fabulous yeah i mean i think anything that you're doing that there isn't this like programmed traditional belief that that's safe that's good that's right like anytime you veer off of that i think I think it's good in the mere fact that you're you're creating grooves in the road that weren't there before. You know, like yeah. you're you're one less person following in that in that path. And I think, kind of, and we'll get into it when we talk about the conversation. But kind of what Abora was saying was like, this is what has to happen. We have to start creating new grooves in the road if we're going to break out of that myth that there's that there's one safe way to do things. Right, and I think the attitude that bitch has with the middle finger in the air is very much like. RuPaul in front of the White House. It's like, you know Mm -hmm. what? Everything, none of this is real, and I can do this. And if you tell me that I can't, my middle finger's going to go up, and I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, it does remind me a lot of RuPaul and and just that energy of like, fuck this. If I don't, I'm not going to wait for permission. I'm just going to 
figure out a way to do it. And I yeah. think, um, you know, it's ironic that we're hearing that from someone who, spoiler alert, wins the season. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very true. I, I mean, just that idea of permission, I think all minorities uh, certainly can relate to that, right? So many of us, whether you're women, whether you're POC, whether you're trans, whether you are... Uh, just a queer boy, we're so used to asking for permission to do things in the mainstream culture uh, that if you're a straight white male, you don't need, you, you rarely ask permission for. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, this is probably just devil's advocate. Cause I mean, I, I'm just curious. It's like, I wonder what straight white men feel they need to ask permission for if that resonates. You know what I mean? Like I wonder, yeah. Because, I mean, I get that, obviously, right? Like, I get that, like, permission permission to be slightly feminine or more than slightly, as the case sure. may be. You know what I mean? Like, permission to be myself, you know? I I wonder if that ties into, like, permission to be emotional, permission to be, to let down the the bravado. I don't know. I just, I just to kind of see the other side of what you're saying. Yeah. I yeah. I agree that they don't have to ask for permission for the same things a lot of us have to, but I I'm always curious what they, how that resonates or how that manifests in their lives. Yeah. I mean, who knows? It's not my experience. I can only kind of speak to mine and relate it to others that have expressed similar. But I mean, we can also talk about the proverbial asking for permission, right? Uh, in terms of like the bigger, bigger questions, right? Like why did it take so long for a drag competition that was really popular to get onto mainstream television, right? Like, even that is kind of a bigger idea. Uh, even the fact that there hasn't been, you know, a, a, a black bachelor, only a black bachelorette, right? Uh, and she even kind of uh, is a lawyer, you know what I mean? And so there's mm -hmm. there's a different uh, sentiment there. Um, I mean, even in my office right now, like, I feel like I would have to ask permission if it was professional for me to wear, like, a little bit of eyeliner um whereas mm -hmm. there's a straight man in the office who can wear a v-neck white t-shirt to work and nobody questions it so without naming names your your co-worker with a mug that says actress on it how much is he that version of himself at work he 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 certainly just uh he certainly uh it calms down but his his role at work should have been, uh, it's three years late in terms of like his, he used to be a manager, now he's a director, um, a directress. Um, mm. But he, uh, he should have been a director three years ago. Um, for him to speak in a meeting, um, it takes him a lot more energy than his, his straight white counterparts or even the counterparts that play it a little bit more butch. Um, it's certainly different. Mm -hmm. Because he's more feminine presenting. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, I think a lot of that is, is dictated as well by who are the people around you. Like, I think in my office, I don't ever think about like, oh, like how gay am I reading right now? Like they're into it. There's other gays. It's fine. Not, not many, but like it's, it's definitely like a gay friendly office. Um, so I, I, I think that there's also like, where do you identify or like, what are the factors that you identify to say, oh, this is safe? Like, this is, these are the factors that say now you don't have to ask for permission regardless of who you are. Right, right. And you know, I think once, I'd say once we can identify those things, it's like you put those in place. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, this, this is what people need. Yeah, but I think it's, it's what isn't said. It's, 
it's how people talk to other people. Like I always am aware when a straight man is talking to me, it's different than when he's talking to another straight man. And I think I, I just want to bring this back to Dragula. When I think about these Dragula queens doing drag in a world, I mean, Vander Von Odd is a fabulous artist and was doing tip gigs, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and until she won, then she was getting paid gigs. Like that's crazy to be an outcast within the outcasts. Uh, that's why I think Dragula is super special and why these girls, we can tell by this almost finale episode, have created kind of a bond of like, oh, now I get it. Like, okay, we are, we are connected mm. now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, to compare it to Drag Race, because I'm allowing myself to do that now, <laughs> I, you know, there's so many queens on Drag Race who come onto the show with so much experience. They know, they have a general sense, even if it's not at the same volume, they have a pretty good sense of, of what it's going to feel like once they get out of the show. You know, yeah. in that they've done paid gigs and they've toured. And you think of someone like Mayhem Miller, you know what I mean? Like right. she's had a whole career, Chad Michaels, a whole career yeah. before they got onto Drag Race. Right. And... Even the most rookie queen to be on Drag Race, I think, to me, I, I, I still see them as more experienced than some of these Dragula girls who were like <clears throat> doing part-time tip gigs and then how, how much bigger their careers are after, you know? Sure. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it's, it's certainly been a nice journey to kind of see them, to keep seeing them more and, and this episode in particular where we kind of finally see what's underneath all of the spooky drag. So with that, Mary, I, let's jump into this episode. Let's tell our Marys what they're listening to. They're, of course, listening to another episode of All Right, Mary. All right, Scary. All right, Scary. <laughs> what about 80s glam rock? Looks expensive. I uh, love my car. <laughs> I love my car. <laughs> oh, my God. Take a drink every time they said I love my car. I get it. I get it. You love your little Mazda Miata. We get it. Um, I love my Hyundai Elantra. Um, and that's, of course, our podcast dedicated to all things Drag Race, the world of Drag Race, and the paradigm that RuPaul has created with this little beady beady TV show. I'm Johnny. And I'm Colin. Did I already say all that? I can't remember. No. But I've said it twice. Uh, and uh, today we are, of course, continuing. We're getting to the last lap of our ooky spooky recap of Dracula Season 2. Uh, today we are we are covering Wasteland Weekend episodes seven and eight because it really is kind of one big episode right right and uh yeah this is the this is the kind of the top four challenge this determines who's going on to the top three this is you know it's like the ball challenge on track race yeah uh and i think the ball will be the finale right i think they do i to be perfectly honest with you mary uh, uh all honesty i have not seen the finale or the reunion oh I I have. It was a while ago. I'm having flashbulb memories of the final episode, and it's it. There's good. Mm, yeah. There's there is floor show, Mama. Floor yeah, show. Yeah. I mean, I remember one of our Marys writing in and being like, "You have to see the finale. Like, you have to see it. It's fantastic." So I'm very excited, and I'm happy that I'm going in kind of fresh, uh, and that yeah. it's not spoiled. It's been so fun after. Uh, Drag Race Thailand and now Dragula to have lead ups to big finales. You know, yeah. I mean, I know season ten, you know, the the countdown to the crown. But I think at that point, I was just like, just end it, just <laughs> give it to someone. 
I can't anymore. You know, yeah, so like for some this, reason, I'm that like season still seemed, on board. Well, and that season seemed really long because it was right on the tail end of All Stars 3. So, oh man, that season yeah. just seemed long. Um, yeah. Um, well, so speaking of uh, long, I could have had this cold open go even longer. I was totally into the look. And the drama and the chessboard and Abora's nose as a pawn. It was really fabulous. Just the eye contacts alone. I was just like mm -hmm. feeling this. Even the fake explosions. I was like, okay, Mary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Sharknado explosions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am. Um, I, I thought this was like one of the best, probably the best look we had seen up until this point. On oh, the yeah. season of them. Oh my God. They are so like, just, fabulous. And I loved their. Um, they had like two different types of contact lenses. Like one was this kind of like hatched screen on one eye. And then right. the other was like, it was like a colored outline with like the white pupil. Yeah. This, the detail that went into this look, I think was like a level up from their other looks throughout the season. Like this was impeccable. Yeah, I mean, the, the, just the tiny little nuances, just down to the fact that there was like nuances in one of their contact lenses. Right. Uh, but then when you, when, and so that you could look in really closely and, and get a whole drag experience, or you could pull away 20 feet and still get a whole drag experience. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I, they're so fabulous. They drank the gasoline. It was it was a great little cold open. So oh yeah, I I think I took the note that yeah that they were like celebrating with two dirty champagne glasses full of old pee out of a gas tank. It was like <laughs> a checks out. That'd yeah, be Dragula. Yeah, happy yeah. Dragula. Um, yeah. So uh, jumping into the episode, um, I you know I guess there's some like small talk before the boules come up and tell them. I don't know much about the small talk. It was just very small. Yeah, I didn't take many notes except that this is when we finally see them like fully out of drag. Yeah. And fully get to see Victoria Elizabeth Black at a drag. Cute little chicken. Um, <laughs> they're also interesting looking out of drag. They're so like Abora, like out of drag is interesting looking. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's not like a, a euphemism for ugly. I just mean like it's one of those people you look at and you're like, you've seen some shit. I can tell. You yeah, know? I get that's what, you're what saying. I mean. I get what you know? you're saying. Yeah. And even James, I think, has a similar kind of aesthetic of like, okay, you're expressing something, much like Nancy in the craft. It's like, okay, you put all of that on. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's also similar to Bonnie where it's like, oh, you have bad skin. Okay. I get it. Right, right. I, right. Like literally, it's like, oh, I you you clearly like had to learn how to put makeup on because, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, I as some as a 16-year-old, I was putting on cover-up. Um, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, it, it saved me a lot of, um, kind of feeling of embarrassment, even though people probably still could see it. Like it didn't even matter, you know? Sure. You were no Raven. Sure. I understand. Right. Right. It was um, no Raven. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, so the Boulets come up and they tell them that they're going to Burning Man. <laughs> Essentially, they're they're going to off-brand Burning Man. Uh, I mean, it's basically Burning Man for pessimists is kind of how I saw it. Yeah, yeah. It, well, I guess it's like Burning Man meets Mad Max meets... Yeah, it's as if like, the future... It's, it's as if the economy fell apart and people mm -hmm. were mean to each other and fought as opposed to Burning Man, which was like the economy falls apart and we try to rebuild it with art and love, you know? We, we build a new economy, yeah, of everything, <laughs> like trading hugs for sandwiches, you know? Right, right. Um, and, in, and in this wasteland world, it's like, yeah, I'm going to trade you Listerine for some toilet paper, you know? Right, right, and then I'm going to flog you. But I guess you're into <laughs> it if you're there. Um, 
But, you know, I, two things. One, obviously, let's just ask the most important question. What is the bathroom situation at Wasteland Weekend? I don't it's think anybody cares. Yeah, it's probably not good, Mary. It's probably like, I care. go right here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I um, So I don't think that I can handle that. Um, the rules are there are no rules. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, no cops. <laughs> yeah, no police, you know, yeah, flamethrowers, no tanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if you clocked this, but when they introduced the challenge, which is to create your best epic post-apocalyptic look, uh, I think it was Swan Thula who said, we're looking for T-A-L-E-N-T. Yep. And in uh-huh. my head, I just heard... Did y'all get the tea and coont? I'm like, ouch. Yeah. Did y'all get the tea and tea? Because that's some tea. <laughs> well, just wait until the reunion episode. There's another, it's not as like diggy, but there's another kind of like, oh, yeah, there's that side of it. Right. Uh, it's, yeah, I uh, I did notice that. Um, I I also loved when they kind of did that like final read of the four of them of like, you know, saying like, Abora, you need to stop falling down on stage and you need to wake up Victoria and you need to like step it up, bitch. And you need to stop being such a jerk, James. And it was like, they were like, they were, they were like four, like, uh, like Snow White and the Little Dwarves. It was, um, I wrote down that it was sloppy, sleepy, basic, and bitchy. And then, <laughs> <laughs> even though just to qualify, both I and the Boulay brothers were struggling to find something to say wrong about bitch pudding because you and oh, I both sure. know. You and I but both. They were like, you're going to need to step it up. I was like, when? Yeah. What's it, what about 80s glam rock's expensive? Are yeah, you what, yeah, me? seriously. Yeah. Hey, Fred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah hey, Fred. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Drac. Yeah, Drac. Yeah. yeah. Come on. <laughs> and um, this is, I think, sorry, this is where we got another, the James Criminim, where he oh. says, you're a trigger happy alcoholic. That's what I said, bitch. You got to oh, pop his anakin every five seconds. They said it again. I, yeah. That's a minutes, quote of the season me. for sure. <laughs> that is. I think they're going to say it again somewhere. In the reunion or the finale. Oh, for sure. If Monique's there, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, You know, later we see them out of drag kind of sitting on that wall. And I had thoughts on this. Okay, first of all, I thought of the craft because we just watched it. And it was like these four witches hanging out on a wall. Yeah, um, it was like this, mystery, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like this little coven. I was like, okay, earth, air, fire, water, earth, air, fire, water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except um, they were like uh, famine, uh, death. Uh, oh right, and um, pestilence, pestilence. pestilence. Yeah, um, but I do want to clock the director of the scene because directing one hundred and one, Mary. You know, don't put your actors in a line. It's it's tough to act like let him let him <laughs> cheat it out a little. Yeah, yeah I yeah. mean it was literally like you know my dad had set up me and my sisters for a picture. Yes, totally. <laughs> move in like with the hands. Yeah. Move in, move in. You're always getting the elevator door hands. Move yeah, in. yeah, with like the overhead camera from the '80s on his shoulder. Oh, <laughs> a camcorder, a Danny Tanner camcorder. <laughs> Man. Uh, I love it. But anyway, so yeah, um, they, I think they start talking about Wasteland and I think I get some like cringy moments from James who was like, oh, well, you know, there's no laws and there's no police and it's going to be so dangerous. And I'm like, okay, we know, we know. Yeah, we get it. Um, yeah. And then even Bitch, I don't know if I believed Bitch's excitement in the talking head. She was like, yeah, I don't really know what Wasteland is, but, uh, you know, sounds really exciting. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you're doing your you're, you're doing a good job. Like you're doing what they got what you got to do, bitch. But we get it. Right. Like you don't know what right. this is. 
But I don't know if you really want to go, but you're like, all right, whatever. Um, I did, like, she said at one point, she's like, I always wanted to blow a guy in a tank. <laughs> I just like the specificity of that. I always wanted to blow a guy in a tank. Oh, God. Oh. Um, um, by the way, can yeah. I just name this because this is important? Bitch pudding. Joan Cusack realness, right? Like, out of drag. Can't you see that she could be a Cusack? Um, oh, Cusack. yeah. Yeah, bitch Cusack. Oh, for bitch sure. She had the glasses on. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Bitch Cusack. Yeah. I could totally You could hear that. Joan saying, what about 80s glam rocks expensive? <laughs> you know, I just, I, I, I love finding the Cusack in people. <laughs> Joan, to be specific. Malibu Barbie. (laughs) Talk about a villain that we all want to be. Debbie. Yeah. Debbie. God. Uh, Give me a If we hadn't already done. Give me a 20. Yeah. (laughs) If we hadn't already done Adam's Family Values, I'd be like, ugh, we need to do Adam's Family Values. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Ugh, Debbie is like perfection. Um, Yeah. The the one conversation that I think is worth mentioning here um, is when they're talking about Wasteland being a straight event because it's mostly straight people that are going um mm-hmm. and abora kind of takes the talking head and she's like you know i i push boundaries in my workplace and you know people know that i'm gay and you know basically if you put your foot down you know you're fine uh and 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 then that'll work for you did you have thoughts on that what are your thoughts on that i mean i think that that is i think that it's not a fail safe recipe yeah i do think that that being said, in contrast, you know, because I was reading her a couple episodes ago of like, I wasn't really buying it, Gia. I wasn't really buying this whole like, ooh, I'm this gross, spooky performer. Like, I just wasn't, I just wasn't buying a Bora. It didn't feel like it was fitting her. Mm. And now seeing everything that the performer of a Bora has gone through, I'm like, totally buying it. Yeah. Like, I really, like, having seen the way that a Bora endured James and like just, handled all of the confrontations she had the past few episodes and this episode which I'll and this to. episode yeah that it i kind of actually do believe that she just kind of says nope here i am because yeah. i don't know like she just i i see i see the adult in abora you know like mm. i really do see like I, even after this episode i'm like god you are you are so much more interesting than right. i that I've given you credit for. Yeah, so. the, uh, I can't wait to get to the car conversation because she shows immense maturity there. But in terms of this idea of being gay in a straight world, I mean, obviously there's the closet, right? So the other option is be in the closet, which was created by the straight people. So I feel like being in the closet is worse unless it's really unsafe outside of the closet, right? Um, mm-hmm. And when you do come out, you have to have some sort of you know, fail safe, right? Like, oh, I can't be fired if I do come out. Or Mm -hmm. if I do come out, I do have a good Judy to go to lunch with. You know what I mean? It really Mm -hmm. all depends on the situation. But I think Abora is like right on. It's like, if you have the confidence and you're like, yep, this is my boyfriend and the picture is going right here next to my computer. It's like, yep, that's it. No fucks given. I think that there is, I think it's about, and I think a lot of gay people know how to make this distinction almost automatically of like, Am I, am I, I don't want to say being a hero here. Am I, am I pushing that boundary or is this a kamikaze mission? Mm. Like at what point is this like, 
you know what? You got nothing to prove. You don't do anybody any good in the hospital. Maybe you don't need to like be out loud and queer in, in this situation right now. And it yeah. sucks. It fucking sucks to have to say that. But I don't need I don't need that to validate my queerness. I don't I I don't need to I don't need to put my life at risk just to be like just in the name of gay pride. That's not gay pride. That's not self-care. That's not taking care of yourself. Right. You don't want to be a martyr, you know? Yeah. And for what? You know what I mean? Like, I just think that... Uh, that's for some really... shitty straight person that doesn't get it. Yeah. I mean, it's... Right. Right. I, I, I don't think the threat depends. is worth it. It yeah. all depends. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I thought it was an interesting idea that they are going to a straight event, which, uh, you know, I don't think we've seen really before in these drag reality shows. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I didn't do much like research on like what wasteland weekend like is really all about, but, um, I don't know if it's a wasteland, if it's a weekend, maybe it's three days. I just called it that cause I had a nice alliteration. Well, they called it, they called it wasteland weekend. Okay, uh, good. I didn't just yeah, make that the, up. The Boulay brothers did. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I don't, I don't know, but like certainly from what I saw, it looks like a very straight situation, but it also, the whole time then I was thinking, okay, so what was the production to involve Dragula at Wa- Wasteland and how involved were the Boulets before? Th- you know what I mean? Like, mm. did they have a relationship with this whole thing before this? Right, know? right. Did they kind of like, hey, can we do an act at your Wasteland weekend? And, you know, right. and, and it's good is publicity. It yeah. Is it something they've done before? Like, I, that's, that's where I was like, I'm sure okay. they've been. I'm sure they've yeah. been. They probably knew about it. Yeah, that I, I felt like even if this was a quote unquote straight event, there was clearly an entry point already made, you know? Right. Yeah. Um it wasn't like undiscovered territory. Um, well, they if do you want to move to this car scene? Because it's just like itching to be talked about. Uh, yes, yeah, vroom vroom. Uh <laughs> get out of my dreams, get into this car scene. Let's exact, do it. Uh, exactly. Um so obviously they they start out with this um you know, the sentiment that we're a real family now and they've really bonded. Um, and I can only imagine it's it's very much like summer camp. It's, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of a, an orientation week with with some people, it's like, yeah, OK, well, let, yeah, we're we're in this together. I got this. Right. right. Um, and yeah. it, and it, it's very nice. Um, and I do want to talk about the, uh, you know, what it means, what drag is doing right now. They kind of talked about that. But before we get there, since we're talking about it. Um, James says to Abora, he says, you know, even though you're a little shit and you do, you know, you do kind of leech a little bit from all of us, we've come together as a sisterhood. And I'm just kind of like, he's like, even though your makeup is always fucking horrible. And I'm just like, he's like, you're much less than you originally were. And I'm just like, I don't, this is still mean to me. Yeah, she's like, you're better than you were before. Um, I, yeah, I mean, obviously I had the same reaction. I was just like, enough already. But then the longer it was going on, and the whole time I'm just waiting for a board to pop, and she doesn't, yeah. and I'm always wowed by that. But the note I took listening to all of that was, James represents something. That that voice that he is in that moment, that's either an internal voice, that's either, or a, just what you're going to confront in your career or what you're going to confront in your life or what you have. Like to me, and I'm not saying this was intentional. I was, I'm I'm implanting this meaning on it. Yeah. Like what he's doing in that moment to me represents a larger experience that Abora and maybe a lot of other people have of having to contend with some, some voice that's just always saying you're never good enough. 
you know. Right. Somebody that's always continuously reminding you of who you were um, mm-hmm. and, and what you were and why you're still not there quite yet. Um, right. I mean, at the same time, and th- this, is, this was the tell for me. So Abora finally speaks up and she's like, you know, I'm really proud of everyone in the car right now. And then James says, please don't touch me. As a joke, mm-hmm. and Abora's like, well, wish granted. And, you know, I know it's a joke and it's banter, but to me, and this is kind of the tell for James, it was this evidence of a fear of intimacy, right? This insecurity mm-hmm. in having a genuine, genuine, loving, affirming conversation. And the minute it started to go there and why he needed to qualify I love you. You've gotten to be so much better. He needed to qui- qualify all of it with, well, you suck. And I fucking hate you, but I fucking love you. You know, and it's this kind of, it. you always have to be taken out of the moment. Yeah, exactly. You're always taken out of the moment. Because that's what was happening is they were all kind of like literally having a moment. And it was like she needed to produce something that I think she thought was a bigger moment, but was less authentic. Like it mm. was such a... It was so unnecessary. It's like, read the room, Mary. We're yeah. all kind of bonding up here. And and ultimately, if you... I mean, I know they don't really know what they're in for, but, like, the challenge is over. Like, in that you're not really against each other anymore. You actually have to work together, yeah. you know, to, like, make this a good performance. Right. And Abor is already feeling like... I mean, it's really such an act one gun. She's already yeah. kind of like, I think that I've probably hit my you know hit my limit here well this was maturity for me when she says you know i think we all have limitations and i'm finding mine out i don't know what my limit is so i'm pushing to it i think that shows immense self-awareness and if just to kind of echo back to james kind of taking us out of a a a genuine moment abora did that earlier with bitch when bitch was like you know and don't fucking disappoint me you know and exactly yeah and and I'm seeing this new side of Abora or this growth of Abora, right? And especially in that moment when they're all asleep and she's just like, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be me. I don't really know what I'm doing here, but I'm, I'm going to push and I'm going to just figure out where my limit is. And mm-hmm. I think that anybody should be able to say that, you know? Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I took that same note that when she says, I don't know what my limit is, so I'm pushing to it. I mean, I don't, I am... I am resistant to hyperbole, but in terms of things I've heard drag competition reality stars say on the show, that's one of the most interesting. Right. Of like, wow, like, yeah. that, And I, I identified with that of like, I don't know what my limit is. I don't know. I haven't defined that part of myself yet. I don't know who that part of me is yet. So we're going to move towards it and I'm going to figure that out. And I just like, like Abora is like, if there's a Dragula All-Stars, she's the first person I want to oh, see. Completely. Completely. You know? Because you know that that spirit of self-awareness and self-regeneration that she has is going to push her forward. And I don't yeah. know if you've seen her um, in clips after this show or even seen her in clips at like photo shoots and meet and greets, but like she is zany. She is magnetic. Like she mm-hmm. is a lot of fun. So, you know, I'm with Swan Thule in that, like, I'm paying to see her show. Yeah. No, same. She's someone that I would be excited to see perform. And I'm just, like, excited to watch kind of even in, in you know, especially now, the second half of the season. You know, I'm I'm always interested in hearing what she has to say. It's always, right. a, you know, with James, it, it's 
you know, James was going on with those like bumper stickers of like, you know, law of attraction and you just have to believe and you can have anything you want. If you can conceive it, you can achieve it, right? If you believe it, if you can conceive it, you can achieve it. Yeah, he's very much ascribed to, ascribed? Um, Mm -hmm. He's very much into uh, the power of one and that law of attraction. Uh, I think it's the secret, right? Um, which yeah, is, power. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which uh, yeah. you know, I I'm not one to poo-poo any of that and what anybody's philosophy that works for them, um, but uh, it it seemed very. I, what I wrote down is like, who is he talking to? Yeah, I mean, a lot. There's a, there are certainly <clears throat> there's certainly a population of people who are into that kind of stuff who are just repeating back what they've read and heard. Because yeah. it's like an incantation. If I just keep saying, focus on the present, focus on the positive, then all good yeah. things will come. And, and it works re- for people. It really does. You know, so I for mean, some it, people, it really works. It, 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 but helps it's so, them, it helps them get through things, you know? I think that was just, a, yeah, the distinction is like, it's not necessarily bringing them fame and fortune. It's just giving them a way to cope with, re- with their reality. Yeah. Sure. And um, I mean, I mean, not for nothing. I mean, James made it to top three of Dragula. I mean, it's not, you know, it's, it's hard to find evidence where evidence was before you know it's it's like chicken and egg well i think it's like it doesn't all of the things that he's saying in the car don't resonate to me as the as what brought him to top three of dragula that just sounds like what he wants us to hear him saying in this scene oh i see yeah and i compare that to you know what abora was talking about and we've we've talked about this a lot of like this new drag economy and abora talking about like we have to create this we have to find new ways to um you know to to support ourselves, but also support each other. Yeah. Um, and, and that what they're doing is like, is creating that new economy is creating oh, the, yeah. is, those new grooves in the road. And that to me, I was like, now that sounds authentic. And that sounds like what's bringing you to where you are right now. You know, oh, completely. Yeah. This idea that, I mean, and we've spoken about this before, this new kind of queer economy that's boomed from RuPaul's drag race. And obviously now Dragula, like this, this idea that now there are queer uh, queer people of color, trans people with economies with uh, that are basically small businesses. You know, it's it, everybody has to hustle now, right? There's it's the sharing economy, the OnlyFans, Patreon, Kickstarter, Etsy, uh, you know, even Instagram advertising, like all of it. Like mm-hmm. it's a hustle, and you are just you, you just have to get more creative and more creative of how you can bring in some some other income and. Uh, and it's it's fabulous to see the drag of all things, this idea of subversion of mainstream culture. People are finally making money from it, right? It's these little yeah. communities that are these niche communities that are just filled, filled with opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. This this profession that often would just pay whatever was in the tip jar, you know, and there's right. still so many queens where that's what it's paying, yep. you know, but at that's least it. now <clears throat> it's. It's in a world of of more and more people who are interested in what you're putting out there, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, so. yeah, totally. Um, getting into doing makeup for other people, getting into wigs, getting into selling makeup. Get, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. all of it. Well, that's um, what it is. is yeah, something. like you don't have to just be a performer. There's so many other things. I mean, even in a way- You could be a production, Mayor. I'm a yeah. production. Yeah, exactly. I mean, ooh, ah, sensation. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, even what we're doing, right? I mean, we're not retired on this, but we have a Patreon. We yeah. We are drag adjacent. You know, I mean, it's it, it, it's certainly, you know, if you can, if you can, in some ways, if you can dream it, you can do it, you know, like- yeah, and I, and I think about <clears throat> bitch pudding. It's just like, fuck you, I'm just going to do it. You know, I don't yeah. need your permission, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's the upside of, you know, there's, there's sort of a, a sense of open source now in, mm. in making money. Uh, that right. it's not just limited to, like, what's in the want ads in the newspaper. Totally, totally. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a cool car ride. <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. Um, I wondered if they were all actually asleep when Abora was talking, but I'm not I wondered that, too. I'm like, is bitch listening to this? Yeah, because cause you know James was. You know she was like, <laughs> you could almost see one eye open, you know? Oh, God. Uh, well, speaking of James, like, when they arrive, I, I couldn't tell if, if this was something that I would feel uncomfortable with or if I was just like so happy for James because James was basically like out of his mind when he got to Wasteland Weekend. Like he was Mm -hmm. having the best time and it brought me joy and at the same time I'm like, is this put on? Because I, I, I mean, I loved it. He was just like, walking around like everyone got everybody here wants to fuck me i want to suck a dirty sweaty dick i'm like girl yeah she's <laughs> feeling her oats certainly but it's that thing all season i think of like you know if it was bitch doing that i would believe it in a second but when it's sure. james doing it i just you know once somebody starts self-producing you don't know when it stops you know yeah that's right that's right yeah because and i want it to you know so i'm gonna go on with the idea that like yeah, when when there's unstructured content to film, mm-hmm. right? Like you're, you're gonna do your best for the camera, and and I think that's yep. great. I also think that James is in a it's a in a much healthier headspace, and the fact that you know he's feeling validated. He he just won the last challenge, like or he wait I take that back. He wins this challenge, but he's doing well in the competition. Um, mm-hmm. So there's that. But uh, the, what I really wanted to talk about, I don't know who said it. But somebody said, oh, my God, that's a harpoon. That shit killed Jaws. Did you hear oh, that? Oh, I think I did. It was like a real passing comment. Yeah, it was yeah. fabulous. Was it when they, like, hitched a ride? On yes. That, like, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. The schmacting in that scene. I, I was, knew it. I knew oh, it. I, I just struggled. Um, now, now, my question with Wasteland is – and I know a lot of there's a lot of kind of like setup shots of like giving us a sense of like what this world is. And, you know, you got to kind of like pad an episode, too. Right. But essentially, at the end of the day, does everyone just like sit around and glare at each other in like really heavy clothing in the middle of the desert at Wasteland Weekend? Like, what are you doing there? What, what are you doing what here, are you doing Jeff? here, Jeff? Yeah. Um, you know, I think <clears throat> it's um, I think it's about celebration of what they're wearing, celebration of of cars and toys and fun machines and knives and guns. And it's kind of like a gun show, but also like this culture, right? Where people are, just, it's like drag con in that sense. I guess so. I'm just, I, I'm like, I'm like, what's the itinerary? What do you guys do all day? I'm sure that they grill. I'm sure that they, you know, meet people that they met the year before. And I, it's, it's basically like fairies in the woods, you know, you, you go and, you kind of prance around and have a good time and live your fantasy. Like, that's what I think it is. There's a lot of, like, flamethrowers. I'm sure there's drag racing. And I don't mean, you know, yeah. on, in high heels. Start your engines, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm sure it's a lot of that. And and fun, quote-unquote, you know, if that's your thing. Fun, um, basically, you know, this is my dick, let's see yours. Like, I, I just feel like it's a lot of sharing of culture and celebrating it. Yeah. Well, Mary's, if anyone has, you know, because you never know if anyone has been to Wasteland Weekend or something similar. <clears throat> I'm, I'm literally, I'm, because like all we saw was like a lot of like looking angry, you know, on top of like a, you know, 
uh, a, a souped up, you know, Jeep, Jeep Cherokee, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so I'm just trying to understand, like, what did you do for the other 18 hours of the day? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming that they're in tents and RVs and things like that. And because uh, a lot of them were in makeup. I'm like, are you going to be in makeup the whole time? Like the whole time? The whole time? You're going to jump from there? Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, well, I, I wonder where they one, go. Well, I mean, I know that like I saw lots of tents. I think I saw lots because at one point they were like, oh, man, look at all the cool cars. And there was kind of like a, a shot of like what they were looking at. And you could see somebody's just like, you know, Toyota minivan, you know, <laughs> like somebody's sure Chevy Wind, Ford Windstar. It's more than that. It's no, it, no, than it, that. no, it literally is because people who like have driven out to Wasteland Weekend and oh, are just camping right. there. Yeah. And yeah. they're like yeah. parked right. over in they like Lot B. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're Honda Odysseys over there, you know, covered in dust. And it's like, yeah, look at all the cool cars, you know? Yeah. And you know what? We probably, we saw like the parking lot, I think. And then... When they got into that truck, that's like what took them to more of the, to the event town center that yeah. we didn't really get to see. Because I know with Burning Man, like it's massive. Yeah, like, there's little communities, there's neighborhoods, and mm-hmm. you need to like hitch a ride to get to certain places. So, yeah, uh, would you ever do a Burning Man or some version of this kind of experience? I'm totally into the idea and uh, and totally supportive of it. I just don't think that I belong there. Mm. I wouldn't want to be a poser, so that's why I wouldn't go. Even at like a Burning Man, where there's like no definition of what you're supposed to be. I mean, um, it's like so. I kind still of feel like now. I would be a poser. I still feel like <clears throat> I, because I wouldn't want to go to the bathroom outside. I wouldn't. You know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. I'm bougie. That, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and yeah, no, totally. I mean, if I were to, do I don't burning- do drugs really either. So it's like. I don't want to be that guy that's like, what is, what's in that pill? Okay, have fun, guys. Have fun, kids. I'll make yeah. the veggie burgers. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe not everyone's doing drugs. I, I've never gone. But I like the idea of going to Burning Man. Having and getting an a coffee enema? <laughs> Why go to Burning Man? Why not just... <laughs> I got a pot ready and a tube oh, in the bathroom. Why God. are we waiting? Why are we going to the playa? And so... Um, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I would like one of those situations where you have the RV and that has a bathroom in it. It has a, like a, a bit of a respite. You know what I mean? You can get away from it all and go inside your RV mm. and do drugs. I love that idea. Um, maybe that's not authentic Burning Man, but I think hey. Burning Man is like sponsored by Pepsi now. So oh t- god, t- 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 anyway, that's selling out, Mary. All right, Mary. <laughs> so I love that part when when Israel goes to like pick them up and then I think James goes, "Oh, hey girl." Oh, there. Oh no, he says, "Oh, there she is." And I just love that like, <laughs> you know, this like total butch Rocco Steel guy showing up and just being like, sure. "Oh, well, there's there's that little Mary. There she yeah, is." Yeah, hi lady. Hey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was so cute. Um, yeah. <laughs> then, uh, yeah, then they go to their little makeshift boudoir. That's and, right. Uh, this is where we get we get one more iteration of James saying to Abora, you know, you've been really negative a lot this season. I Yeah, I, you've said this before. It's just like I'm done with this whole conversation. Like I don't – why do they keep – why does James keep bringing this up? Is it – is it producers? Is it, I, I just don't understand where why he can't let this go. Yeah, I, it, it's almost like they can't think of anything else to talk about. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you think about it. What else are they going to talk about? There's only four I mean, of them left. 
There's not really any other drama. It's funny because he can't, he'll say like, oh, at the end of it, he was like, well, last week you won it. So, you know, good job. I should have won it. But, and and, uh, more evidence of James kind of really unable to have this genuine conversation on camera with Abora. Um, and, yeah. and slipping back into a character. I, not to knock James. I'm sure James is a lovely queen, but for some reason on camera, James can't get let the, let his character not come out. Well, I think it's so strange that he's like, oh, well, you know, there's who my character is, and then there's who I really am. But I'm like, well, when do you take the character off? Because you're like in the boudoir right now, and like technically everybody's out of character. Even Disasterina was that with her best friend Chanel was out of character in the boudoir. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like when Queens are on stage on drag race, it's like, you don't have to be like that right now. Laganja, you don't have to put on that voice right now. Exactly. Exactly. And so I, I guess it's again, one of those situations where I'm just not buying it Gia because you're like, you're saying at one point, Oh, we're all sisters. But then you're saying, yeah, but you're really negative and you don't really, you kind of leech off of us. And then you're saying, well, like, you know, I don't really care how people feel, but it's just my character. I'm actually really nice. It's like, well, well, he says like, you know, I'm not silencing my art for someone else's feelings. And and that reminds me a lot of this punk rock, like, fuck you, I'm going to do what I want. And then he says, you know, if you get your feelings hurt, you know, let me know. It's not my intention to do it. It's like, I'm sure a lot of really mean bullies don't intend to hurt other people, but they do. And so it's, it's about walking the line, right? Of like, I can say whatever I want, right? And mm-hmm. then finding out where the limit is there and finding where the room for empathy is. because, And I think that takes a long time to perfect. Like, even somebody like me, like, sometimes I'll say mean things. And, oh, yeah, I sa- you know, I was really on when I said it. It's like, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Um, and I love when Abora was like, well, you know, some, you might not get the chance to apologize, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, I thought that was, again, I was like, oh, Abora, look at you, just this 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 wise sage in the tent. Uh, but I, I also, listening to James, like, say that, like, oh, well, if someone has a problem, like, they should let me know. And I, I have, like, 0.0 patience for that, because it's like, there's a difference between, like, when they're trying to kind of talk to Abora and say, hey, we've kind of seen you go down a different path we want to kind of pull you back regardless of how they did it i i respect and i buy the intention of that but i think for someone like james to just run ruckshot through other people's lives and say you let me know if i've done any any damage to not take any responsibility yeah. is um is so it's like oh that must be nice isn't it that you don't ever have to edit you don't ever have to be considerate of other people they can just let you know i yeah, i'm not I mean, buying I, that I, I, I am totally agreeing with you. And just to add, I also feel like these are sentiments from someone who has really been burned, from someone who has like been silenced before, someone who didn't have a voice. And all of a sudden they're like, you know what? Fuck you. I don't care who I hurt. I'm just going to go and I'm going to be me. And I'm going to figure that out for a while. And for that, I respect and I understand and I can empathize. And I hope that the journey leads them to a, a, a another place of peace where they can say what they feel and what they want and they don't have to bring others down doing it. Yeah, because I think if you've been through shit, if you've been shut down, if you've been silenced, I mean, I, the, the hard lesson to realize is that your your best self is not is not someone who is 
unsilenceable is is a is that a deafening volume i guess is what i'm trying to say is that like sure. if you felt that you were at a zero so much of your life doing a pendulum swing to a 12 isn't making up for lost time it's actually just taking another dirt path that instead of the other one you're on you know what i mean you're not yeah. actually moving towards anything you're taking another rough road right you know? there's something to be said about power in in silence in control right Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think we see that with bitch pudding. Yeah, pudding. Right. Excuse me, pudding. Pudding. Uh, pudding. I feel like disasterino when I say that. <laughs> bitch pudding. Uh, bitch pudding in me. <laughs> yeah, bitch pudding. Just. <laughs> um, and so I, uh, Joan Cusack. <laughs> <and so, laughs> What's expensive on 80s clam rock? <laughs> We're just going all for it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, but I think that that's exactly what it is, is like really recognizing that power is not is not what you think power is. Mm. Power is not the that kind of like egotistical land grab. Like power is like it holding feels good. your footing. Of yeah, course it does. That's why yeah, so many people good. do it. Yeah. Right. Right. Like yeah. that's why so many of us do it. It feels amazing. But it's um, I mean, talk about a drug, you know, it's not real. Mm, totally. Ooh. Um, so, you know, uh, we, we, I think that they're, then, then they have to like go and do the photo shoot now. Um, yes. Um, and we find the... out, we find out Vander Von Odd is going to be a judge and has been watching them all season. And all I have to say is when she was, when they did that like slow mo of her in the desert, I was like, I just heard Pangina heels. It's fucking expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like standing up and looking very serious and saying, yeah, you better work, bitch. Like I just <laughs> – well, and when they said that, it also made me think of that shot from the first episode of season 10 of Christina Aguilera peeking out of the curtain. <laughs> oh, God. She's been yeah, watching yeah. the whole time. She's watching the whole time. Creepy oh, Vander. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, so I did not watch season one. I mean, I'm like familiar with Vander Von Ott. I saw him at Nightgowns. Mm. Um but I uh, saw him, saw her. I don't know what Vander's uh, genders are or uh, pronouns are. Um, but uh, Vander's amazing. But I have I feel like I'm missing out on something significant and what Vander did in season one. Have you? Did you watch all of season one? I did watch all of season one. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but Vander von Odd was the clear winner for me. It's, did it feel like from very early on? Um, no. No, okay. not from very not from very early on, but Vander was certainly a front runner for me early on. It just wasn't as clear. Um, mm-hmm. I also watched it biased because I knew that Vander won when I watched right. it. But right. uh, there, Vander von Odd turns it. Um, mm-hmm. you, you watch, you know, watch the last four episodes. Watch oh, the last I mean, four. I've seen. I saw the first one because that's when I was like, "Ugh, meatball in this like." Coffin getting bugs thrown on her. What yeah, am I doing it's here? it's tough. It's tough. Um, yeah. She's in, spoiler alert, she's in the cold open of the reunion episode, and it's it's just so good. It's so, <laughs> it's, I think you're going to like it. I think you're going to get it. It's great. Um, I think she, to me, like, I don't know much about Meatball, but I'm like, are you a, is she a pizza queen? Is she a Biella? <laughs> like, what are you? Because I'm getting the vibe you're a pizza queen. Oh, you should like watch a, that season. With Meatballs on it, you know? <laughs> Uh, but I'll watch it. Um, so we should talk about these looks. Yes, these these uh, these four horse ladies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Nay! So, yeah. uh, I, you know, uh, 
let's talk about James first. Let's just, yeah. you know, let, let's yeah. just go to war. You know, rock and roll, baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not a first. It's not a first time at a, no, at a, a, a desert, it's desert it's photo shoot. Yeah, it's my first time at a photo. Um, it's, it's my second I, time. It, it, it's it's it might be your second time. <laughs> I, you know, I'll say this. I think this is really where James excelled. I oh, think wow, James yeah. is very good at photo shoots. I really enjoyed, even if it was like a tinge of cringy, it was also just like watching him at work, like creating yeah. poses and creating mm-hmm. moments. Yeah. And it like isn't organic. You have to keep creating opportunities for the right. camera to catch. Right, he's absolutely. he's really good at that. And I, yeah. I give him lots of credit. He's so good at photo shoots. I thought that, I mean, this look was so genderqueer. I saw boy, I saw girl, I saw boy, I saw girl. It just kept going back and forth, and I love that. I thought that this was the most detailed look of the four, um, mm-hmm. and it was right in character. It seemed really right out of Mad Max, and it was aggressive. I saw, like, Tank Girl in it, um, yeah. and I have to say that the last photo where she was, like, the dirtiest mm-hmm. um, was probably the strongest photo. It was... I, I wasn't really into the faux like top model warrior poses, but yeah, um, same. I was I was really into the kind of like, oh, this is a crazy ass bitch. There um, was one where like she was in the foreground, and there was kind of like the sunset in the background, like it just like it looked like a, and it was just kind of capturing her like at a seven instead of like a fifteen, and mm. it was incredible. It was just yeah, like, wow. It's like she just. It was just so good, and I I will always give it to James. He's just so good at these oh, those kind God. of challenges. I mean, all season James is. I mean, I know I read him in the Gothic Wedding Challenge, but that's not to say that that look was not fucking expensive. Oh, you know? like, that that was incredible. Yeah, like yeah. we have we have read James for filth all season, but like let it be known, like his drag is like outstanding. Sure, it really is incredible what he can yes. do with making your majesty. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, Victoria Elizabeth Black. This was, to be honest, this was the weakest look for me. Okay, um, I didn't love the black and yellow stripes. I also, I really heard the judges' critique here because was this really Victoria Elizabeth Black in Wasteland Drag or was it Demetrio in Wasteland Drag? For me, it felt more like. It was no longer Victoria Elizabeth B- Black, the drag queen, and yeah. it was it was something else. It was like the the performer doing like this look, but it wasn't through the lens of who Victoria is. Yeah, is yeah. Well, yeah. that makes me that makes me think of the the sci fi challenge with the alien, where there's like, where's the drag? And it seems similar. Of like, where is the the specific Victoria Elizabeth Black quality here, and what is that quality? Right. And I yeah, think that's it's, it's the she's she has the least kind of brand out of I mean, not that she doesn't, because I think that if her brand could be like impeccable looks like that's what it is for me. Yeah. Um, but out of these four, hers was the least kind of realized in terms of what her brand is. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. She's I mean, we've probably talked about this in the past, but she's someone like Cameron Michaels, where it's like, I'd love to see you in your element, because I think that like what's been missing in so many of these uh, specifically performance challenges is that she hasn't really seemed in her element. She hasn't really seemed comfortable. And Mm. so I'm kind of like, okay, so what kind of performance are you just like at home in? I want to see that version of Victoria. And I didn't, I didn't necessarily know who I was seeing in this look. I mean, it was, it was cool that there was a lot going on and I love the hair, but um, I see what you're saying and that it didn't remind me of the queen I'd seen all season. 
Right. I mean, it was a sick look. Like to to quote James, like you guys look sick. Uh, oh it was, God, that moment. <laughs> it was. It it really was an amazing. I mean, all four of these looks. Like it's like oh shit. Like mm-hmm. what what I love about Dragula and what I'm taking away from Dragula and Drag Race Thailand is how much more I appreciate reality competition shows about talent and artistry when the queens are given the time to develop it because there's something that's great about the drama of like abusing the mind and the body and making them do challenge after challenge after challenge in a matter of you know a week like sure that's interesting but after a while like i really just want to see amazing looks yeah no i agree especially having done this in drag race thailand and seeing what that extra time produces and when you take the time crunch out of the challenge like what you get in result is it it really is a lot more fun to watch and it's a lot more exciting and it's such a it's such a celebration it well okay we're going to two different ways to look at that it's definitely a celebration of drag in that you get to see these looks at their peak yeah. that being said i also see the celebration of drag being like okay you got an hour to put a look together right it, right that's I, and and that also shows just like nerve and creativity right like yeah. rawness yeah yeah so i i see I see the value of both, but I think maybe it's kind of like having a show that has a mix of both. It's like, okay, what well, we want to see what you're going to do, you know, with a day, and then we want to see what you're going to do with a week. Yeah, and I mean, not for nothing, like with Drag Race, they get the, the episodes in advance, right? And they, the queens kind of know what to bring. But what I, what I have heard is that they'll change the challenge up like slightly when they get there. Mm-hmm. And so they need to alter and they, you know, they need to adjust. Um, yeah. So yeah. there is an element of surprise. Uh, and there's a but, lot of things they'll tell them that they don't end up having to do. So they'll kind of like dilute yeah. it. So they don't really know, you know, because I could see trying to like strategize if you don't have a lot of money. Like, okay, like, do you think they're really going to do that runway? Like, do I really need to prepare for that? You know? Right. right. Trying to yeah, like, I feel determine. That. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're ending up like crying and sewing in the workroom. They're they're doing the, you know, kitchen, kitchen table drag. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. You you can, you can cut and cry. You can cry. You can cut. What does she say? What is it? She Uh, says you can cry, cry, but you got to cut. So you can can cut and cry. Uh, It's Project Runway Marys. Anyway, let's talk about, let's, let's talk about the most femme queen uh, in this challenge, which is bitch pudding. Yeah, with the with the mask and the oh, and, that, yeah. and that smoke uh, oh, thing God. that that smoke effect, um, pink smoke. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at first I was like, "Oh, is this mask? We need to see your lips. Like, is this going to be limiting, or do I need to like lean into this a little bit?" You know what I mean? Like, I think with drag, you know, talk about like you know, Monique Monica Shannon. Sometimes a mask is like you know a big no no. <laughs> But well, we ser- she took it off for the for the lip sync uh, at the challenge later, and yeah. we even see her eyes, you know, in some of the the photos. Like she she did it. She also had legs for days, Mary. Like this and that was big a- old hair. Yeah, yeah, the big hair with uh, apparently there were no electrical outlets, so to style her wig, she used like the wind from the wind and Ugh. hairspray. Ugh, ugh, that 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 pudding. That pudding is yeah. rich. Like, uh, uh, incredible. Delicious pudding. Yeah. Delicious um, pudding. Delicious Mighty pudding. fine. <laughs> yeah. Delicious bitch pudding. Um, yeah. 
so yeah, I loved her large sword. I know that uh, later in the deliberation, she talks about being inspired by video games, and mm-hmm. I just want to state for the record that whenever I play fighting games, I always pick the girl. I'm always Chun Li, or mm-hmm. I'm always Katana in Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Oh, I think who was Katana's sister? I oh, was, it wasn't Sonya Blade. Nope, wasn't uh, Sonya Blade. You were. Uh, it was. She kind of looked like Electra. Wait, uh, I'll look that one up. Yeah, their um, names went together so well. It was like Mama and Katana. <laughs> Mama and Katana. I was Mama. Yeah. Um, here Katana's comes Mama. Sister in Mortal. <laughs> what did you say? Here, I don't know. I don't know what I here said. Come, here comes Mama. <laughs> here comes Mama. <laughs> here comes Katana. Oh, here Melina. Comes... Melina. 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 Yeah. Yeah, Melina, M I L E E N A. Melina and Katana. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. The the uh, Bog and Quagmire of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Not really. It's the only other duo I could think of. <laughs> uh, yeah, she had the she had like the size. She like had Raphael's um, weapons. That's and right. Ka- and Katana was the like the, the gay the gay she horseman the, because she had, the, she had fan. the fans. Yeah, she had oh, the fans. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She would just thwarp you to death. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She was uh, she was the one in purple, right? Of course she was. Yeah, yeah, she was. Yeah, she the purple bodysuit. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, so this was very much like that, except she had this huge sword. I I really appreciated her look. I thought it was creepy, also, mm-hmm. um, but it was also the most femme, which I really appreciated too, because that's something that bitch has been doing throughout the competition. She doesn't go to the obvious of like, oh, I'm going to be a monster. I'm a monster. Right. She's you're like, the monster, Val. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but she. <laughs> But she, but she, uh, she allows us to see like you know the creepy Jean Benet Ramsey. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it, it's crazy in comparison to Victoria. Like how, regardless of the challenge, I still get the essence of who Bitch Pudding is. Right. Like eat. It's kind of like uh, Katya's like this. You know, where it's like regardless of the challenge, you always get the sense of like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That's a Katya look. Of course, sure. it's Katya. You know, and yeah. I think. That's not to say that bitch pudding is necessarily a pizza queen. I think she's just a, she's just amazing. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't ever have to be middle of the road. She's always great pizza. Um, but I uh, I I just I, it's it's strange how like no matter what the look is, I get this. I get her energy, and I think that's what it's about. It's not about Victoria having a specific aesthetic. It's like what is your vibe? Who are you? And how does that? How do I feel that? And I know that's like very vague, but it I, with bitch pudding, I get it, you know. Mm, yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, I think of uh, of like a Sasha Valore, like we kind of know what yeah. her vibe is, right? Exactly. Yeah, she's, she's artsy. She's deep. She's a thinker. Sometimes mm-hmm. an overthinker, and it's like okay. We're right. gonna we're gonna look for that every time. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And I think there's always there is always that middle finger mentality with bitch. There is always that kind of like. Uh, that punk rock bitch kind of quality. Like there is that Wendy O. Williams, not Wendy Williams kind of quality. I, uh, I feel like uh, with bitch pudding, like my dream would be if I ever met bitch pudding in drag, I would want her to like grab my head and, you know, put my head in between her breasts and she'll shake. Do a little like, I feel like boat. that's like, that's like bitch pudding. It's like, yeah, you know, put, put your face <laughs> in the bowl. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, give me some of that pudding. <laughs> yeah. Mm. 
Um, so Abora's look, again, another kind of bird-inspired look, which I think is also very branded and brilliant, and I, I'm, I'm here for it. I love the nose. When yeah. she doesn't have the nose, she still has a beaky nose anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. The nose is just an extension of Abora's qualities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's yeah. bird-like in, in out of drag. Yeah. Right, right. And what I love uh, about this look is that it was actually the scariest for me because mm-hmm. of that nail that was basically her hand oh oh yeah oh oh yeah i missed yes 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 yes. i know what you're talking about yeah she had like straw she basically had a straw hand or straw arm Mm -hmm. and then there was just like one little nail it was disgusting yeah hers it seemed like they didn't really get it like it seemed like the whole critique of abora's look was that it didn't they didn't really understand how this was famine um and i don't I don't know if I necessarily feel that way. I just like, I don't know if I necessarily got famine from her look, but I thought it was a really cool look. I mean, I don't know. I don't, uh, pestilence, war, and death. It's like, I don't know. Did I get death from Victoria Elizabeth Blacks, you know? No, I did not either. I I definitely got war from James. That was the clearest one. I mean, yeah. is is it pestilence because that bitch is about to drop a bug bomb? Is that what the smoke is? Like, is that yeah. is that why that's pestilence? I think with, um, I think with famine, I think it would be really interesting to kind of figure out how you could play with that idea of starvation. How you could play the idea of like, like exposed rib cage you know like uh, things that are obviously super dark but like how i mean i saw her ribs i certainly saw her ribs but you know like really playing up like i think i think that would maybe be the direction i would go is like you know kind of being i I guess if i were disasterina my my backstory would be that i like starved to death and came back to life for vengeance i mean i would have gone to like zelda from pet cemetery yes oh god up in that attic yeah yeah absolutely that's a that'd be an interesting drag look Ugh. with with the back I wouldn't I I couldn't see it it's so mm. gross yeah Ugh, that's that 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 movie and, scared me probably and too Zelda much. was it was played by a man right it was like a man in makeup um that makes sense I think so yeah so there you go yeah um, um so moving right along i mean we we get a you know, a little ending. Uh, uh, spoiler alert: We got to see the next one right away. Um, yes, yeah, I, we just it, jumped. It would right have in. been a it would have been a terrible cliffhanger had I been watching it live. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah. So, do you want to talk about this uh, this this four horse <laughs> four horse women performance, Mary? Yeah, yeah, because we we kind of covered everything with their visit with Vander. You know, right, I think we yeah. kind of talked about in the, in in our opening. Um, I don't have a ton to say i got the impression that they love their cars uh that <laughs> well, was my you know, biggest takeaway the song was basically like la tigra in quotes am i wrong about this i mean i know you it it didn't really fit like i felt like even la tigra would be a little soft for the situation so to do it in quotes would be it's even, even softer yeah. that's what i'm saying is like right. even more removed yeah um <laughs> Yeah, I uh I love I, my car. I love my car. It's uh, Yeah, I mean, it's it, like it's, it's, it's that's iconic not my name. <laughs> it's very the Ting Tings. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I get yeah. it. I mean, don't get me wrong, like out of context, the song was fine for me. It was just like, okay, this is La Tigre in quotes. It's like, okay, this is getting there. Um but I it it didn't it seemed out of place in terms of the wasteland. Yes, I agree. I didn't feel like the song as the kids would say, it didn't feel like a banger, you know, like it just didn't feel like 
exciting enough. It didn't feel like it was revving anybody's engine. Yeah. Part of yeah. the pun. Uh, <laughs> and and I think the editing where they could, they obviously had to like layer in the song track so that we could hear it, but then that muted out all of the crowd sounds. So it really kind of sounded like they were playing to a dead audience. Mm. And I just kept picturing all of these people being like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and just standing there staring like the Brady's at the talent show <laughs> and everybody clap. in the audience, yeah. you know? <laughs> So yeah, you know, it was it was awkward for me also to watch the three non-performers just kind of like bopping in the back. Yeah, I, I didn't really. I mean, I got that like okay, this is a competition, and each one kind of has a moment in the sun. But I'm like, this was also a group challenge. I thought so. Mm-hmm. I wanted there to be more. Yeah, I I mean, I guess you think about like the um, PMS in the Shock Rock Challenge, like the way that they interacted, the way that they kind of like looked like they were doing a group challenge where yeah. this, I, I felt like if it was going to be about each of them doing something, I felt like maybe they should have each had an individual floor show and an individual song, you know what I mean? Like to each have a performance and see how alone they contend with this like threatening Crowd. audience yeah yeah, yeah. I, w- I mean we got a little bit of it i mean i don't know if it was just me but i feel like abora's verse was the shortest of all of them um, yeah if i'm gonna be totally honest for me I, I i think after probably about 30 seconds i kind of was like looking at my phone looking at the screen looking at my phone looking i was just kind of like mm. okay i'm still going anything happened any nuances and, oh, okay and you know bitch started really really strong and then the smoke came out and I, you know it was clear that like that was a problem because you couldn't see anything yes yeah um yeah and james you know he he plays the joker very well uh mm-hmm. like batman's joker um, yes and, yeah you know he he jumps into the crowd which i guess was like a nuanced thing. And I will hand it to Victoria. Like this was the kind of most alive I've seen her on stage mm-hmm. lip syncing. Yeah. Um, I agree. She, so, she pushed herself. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in that sense, that's kind of all I had for this performance. It was kind of like, okay, all right. Same. I like the looks more. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Same. I, I felt like it was something felt off about it and I couldn't figure out if it was the performance or the editing or both or, it just didn't it didn't ring totally true. And I'll bet the audience was like totally into it and that I they hope thought so. it was great. Yeah. I mean yeah. there's gotta be something that we missed. Yeah. Um, so anyway. It's hard to catch that stuff live because they definitely couldn't have done that more than once, you know? Right. Oh, that's the thing, too. Yeah, they had one chance to do this. I, uh, you know, we've talked about this in the past that with Dragula, when it when it reaches its limits, you know, it's kind of a, a theme we're discovering this this episode. Um, I forgive it because it's like, OK, all right, whatever, you know. Yep. So the editing was a little weird. OK, yeah, whatever. Cool. Like, Who cares? Yeah. 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 You hear some like sound issues later in the Thunderdome and it's like, oh, yeah, whatever. OK, this is hard. Yeah. They're doing this live. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm just like, I'm not going to I'm not going to read you for that. You know? Right. Right. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Um, so deliberation. I, my favorite quote, and I think I will never forget this, is when Vander Von Odd says to Abora, you know, like I'm walking down the street and I like see a splattered bird and I'm like, Abora. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> Which I, I mean, I think Abora would take as a compliment. I feel like. Oh, that's, she did. It yeah. was fabulous. Yeah. yeah, it was so sweet. <laughs> I don't have a lot of notes on the deliberation or the judgment, mostly because I felt like 
And maybe, I mean, I felt like even from the car ride that I had the sense that like, okay, so Abor is going home this week. You yeah, know? yeah. And what I what I took away from the deliberation is that Swanthula and Drac and Vander gave them all in-depth feedback and mm-hmm. a lot of praise. It was very kind. They They stood while they were doing it, just kind of in the middle of the desert in drag and did this. And they didn't have to go on as long as they did, and they did. And I thought mm-hmm. that was great that they showed it all um, and that there were kind things that were said about each queen. I thought that was great. And and yeah. they didn't hold back either with, like, Abora, I kind of lost you. They didn't, like, right. hold that back and edit that out for suspense or anything. It was kind of like, yep, this is kind of where we are. Right, right. Well, and I think that that's, you know, and I know Drag Race kind of does this too, but I think in general, once you get to that kind of, like, top four even like i think a project runway once these people have presented their like you know presented a fashion show it's like there could be missteps there there could be things they could do differently but like focusing on what they did wrong at this stage in the game is a waste of time like let's right. just celebrate what brought you here yeah. and you know i'm sure there's constructive feedback for for going forward but i think you know it's kind of like why bother tearing them down at this point? You know, I'm like any any mistake they made is still within the larger like accomplishment of getting to the top four. You know, yeah, and I and this was certainly the strongest top four. I mean, I can't think of another combination. I mean, maybe Dolly could have been up in there, but who would you so- swap out? For that's the thing. I don't even know who I would swap Dolly out for because I really love Victoria. James was killing it. Um, and I can't imagine this challenge without James yeah. and Abora. I've been, you know, Abora for. So <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Like I, whenever they would say, "Oh, I totally thought Abora was going home," I was like, "Oh, that's crazy!" Like, why would yeah. you send Abora home? Like, right? There, there's so many reasons. There's so many reasons to keep her on this show. You know, completely, completely. Um, so yeah, so that's that's kind of all I had. And then you know, you have the the. It seemed more like a victory lap, kind of like, have fun, kids. And oh, I was were just they, watching them. Were they beat each other up with the foam noodles? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I ended up really enjoying it. I think at one point, I think Victoria just like beat the crap out of yes. James at one point. And yes. that felt interesting. <laughs> there, I mean, I, I actually really enjoyed – there was something very cathartic about all of that. And I think – it's not, you know, because I knew that, like, they obviously they, they got hurt a little bit, but they weren't using actual, like, jousting, you know, right. whatever, rods or whatever you'd call it. So I knew that it was a little bit padded. But I think... Well, I think, I think was it Victoria or James? Like, their their teeth were chipped. I'm Victoria like, Whoa. chipped a couple teeth, yeah. I, but I, I guess there was just, there's something, there's something just cathartic about watching this. There's something, <clears throat> I don't know, maybe it's just, like, being, being there at Wastelands and there was just something about comparing this to the boudoir and all of that like bullshit conversation to like, let's just get in these harnesses and just work this out, you know? Mm. And while I'm not normally one to feel like violence is the answer, I do think that there's something about like, let's just expel this energy completely. Here's a way to do it, you know? I, you know, when I was watching it, I imagined, I was like, okay, what if Colin had to do this challenge? And then I was like, Oh, I'd be afraid of Colin 
in this challenge. Thank you. Because I would go apeshit in that you harness. Would, you would literally turn into a different person. Yes. I I, I appreciate you flagging that because I would. I, that There would be a side of me that would come out that uh, is, it, it, it would be incredible. I oh, would. yeah. So I got like really scared for a second. I'm like, I would, oh, man, I would not want to do that. With oh, <laughs> Thank you. No, I wouldn't either. I would not want to go against me. I would be terrible because I would. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even smile. You wouldn't no. like, you know, like wave and wink. while. You know? Yeah. It'd be like when you see when those we boxing were... matches that are just like 10 seconds, just walks over and punches them in the face. It's just like, okay, guess that's it. All right. Done. Yeah. Colin wins. That yeah. was quick. Yeah. Totally. So, yeah. I, I, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, Definitely felt like I would enjoy doing that. I don't know who I'd want to hit. I just love the idea of... of oh, I know who you'd want to hit, Mary. I mean, I can think of some people, certainly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess if I had to think what of What are some you people. doing? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> None of our Marys know who that is. I'm sorry That's when we do good. those like, inside good. baseball jokes. Oh, they hate it. They hate it. Um, so, you know, Bora goes home. Did you, you watched her go home, assuming the... These, it's kind of like a callback to the Wicked Witch of the West, which yes. I liked. And yeah. also their first challenge, I think, on Dragula season one is uh, they had to be sprayed with water and then melt. Oh, I remember that. Oh, wow. Yeah. I remember them. It was just like it was so low rent. It was like, we're throwing a bucket of water on you now. Now we're going to do slow-mo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, but this it, was great. It was a great uh, extermination. Yeah, it, was. it was. Yeah. Fun. And she looked great. I mean, the fact she that did. like. We were only going to see that face for like five seconds, but she looked amazing. Oh, God. Good for yeah. her. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, I, I got to say, like, I I had forgotten that Abora had a pretty clear sense that she was going home before that point. And right. it's, it, I just, to me, it didn't feel like she was going out on a low. It felt like, okay, I have taken so much from this. It's time for me to go back into the world. You know, yeah. like, yeah. I felt like she was ready. And, yeah. uh, yeah, I I really I take back everything I said. I really love Abora. I just think oh, she's good. She's great. I think she's fascinating, and I want to know more. Yeah, I mean, she still has the the most memorable look for me uh, the, from Dragula. Yeah, Ghost the, Town Ghoul. Ghost Town Ghouls. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm still scared. Yeah, yeah. I I mean that one is definitely still high on the list. I I, I guess I'm gonna save my assessment of that till the final floor show. Okay, that's fair. Some, yeah, because I haven't seen it. So yeah, we'll I think there's yeah. there's one in there that I think keeps sticking in my craw. So we'll see. Uh, well, with that, Marys, uh, we're gonna end our wasteland episode. If you have any thoughts uh, on Dracula uh, in general, of scary movies, Vander von Odd, you can send them our way uh, at All Right Mary on Twitter, or you can send them to our email, which is allrightmarypodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on the web at www.allrightmary.com and of course I am on Instagram at Johnny also uh, and of course you can get more of me on my podcast in the details um, and if you were interested in our conversation about horror movies you can go listen to my episode Micro Crisp and other YouTube tidbits where I talk extensively about my relationship with horror movies as a kid um, which is just a funny coincidence in podcasting uh, you can also get more of me on Twitter at Colin Drucker and you can get more of both of us at patreon.com backslash allrightmary where hopefully you know by now that you would get a bonus episode every single week we are currently keeping it all right scary on Patreon. we just did the craft 
We just did the witches. We Mary. just did the witches, and <laughs> now we're about to do. Uh, we haven't decided, but I'm pretty sure that it's gonna be uh, Nightmare on Elm Street two, oh, or yes. El- or Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Oh yes. Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah. The well, other uh, option, I think, I th- yeah, the other option is um, Eddie Scissorhands. So. Uh, yes, I think that was one we had talked about was Eddie Scissorhands. I think we're going to do that. And well, Mary's, you're going to find out. We're going to do this offline. You're <laughs> going to find gonna out. It's going to be great. It's yeah. going to be great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and otherwise, you know, other than that, if you want to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and a positive review and join all of the other lovely people who've done the same, you will be in fabulous company and we'd love you for it. Yeah. So, Mary, what is our last chance lip sync this week? Oh, I love this song. So this is um, this is by Fever Ray, which is the same lead singer of The Knife. Uh, I can't remember her oh. name. It's Karen something. Uh, I I love I love The Knife. I love Fever Ray. I love this song. Actually, this song is so middle finger mentality kind of drag. Great Karen Drazier. That's my girl. Uh, great lyrics, great beat. At some point, they start banging on a pipe in the background. That's like my favorite beat in the song. So, ladies and gentlemen, to keep it spooky, this is our last chance lip sync of I'm Not Done. I'm Not Done. I'm Not Going Home uh, by Fever Ray. And um, we'll see y'all later. This is done.